those coho shouts him It's Dater and Jay Alright, welcome into a special Growler edition of Hear That Podcast Growling, Paul Dater Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you Jay, I'm excited for this one today yeah, I am too. Well, we're kind of spoiling the fans with back-to-back growler, off-season growlers, but Willie's one of my favorite guys to talk to. So, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of discussing his candidacy here. Yeah. Should we not be spoiling people? We're really setting a precedent that we're going to just start doing these every week. You know, I, I do. I don't mind the idea of doing special growlers on one-off individual topics. Yeah, And if people have them, so if you're listening to this and you have an idea for a one-off topic, whether on or off the field or big picture, in the past, in the future, that you want us to maybe dive into specifically and you'd like to see it as a, 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 its lone growler episode, sort of like last week's Senior Bowl breakdown and this week's Willie Hall of Fame cases, let us know. Send us uh, emails uh, or you know, hit us up on Twitter, whatever. Uh, and let us know if you want something. But in the meantime, you know, we sort of have a story up this week. This is all. It all sort of starts off of a story I posted this week about Willie Anderson, Bengals legend, right tackle, um, who cracked the top twenty-five in Hall of Fame voting this year. Now Willie retired back in two thousand and nine, so he's been available on the ballot for a while now and never cracked the top 25 but did this year it's a big deal uh, to come from sort of off the map and it brings a lot of questions into why why would someone come from off the map how do you do this and then the big picture of ultimate frustration from Bengals fans why they can never get anybody into the hall of fame Uh, this is well documented to recap, the Bengals have been around for over half a century and have one player in the Hall of Fame. It's impossible. <laughs> That's the short case of how ridiculous it is for that to be something. They have not been a team that has never won. They've not been a team that has never had good teams. They've won division championships. They've been to two Super Bowls. Nobody has had futility in Canton like the Bengals, and there's a lot of reasons for that, many of which you'll hear Willie Anderson discuss. Um but it's his case right now is very unique as he is emerged onto the front of the line of the next potential Bengal to break this drought. The We haven't seen anybody in. Anthony Munoz being the only one. Um, why and how he could get through is particularly interesting because it opens up a path to really, in my opinion, a test case of maybe the future of Hall of Fame voting, and particularly when it comes to specific positions. Um, the story is up now. You can go if you're if you're not a subscriber, please. We welcome you to subscribe. It's three ninety nine a month right now, um, and you can get in and read this all about Willie talking about breaking into the top twenty five, Paul Alexander talking about his case, and then Pro Football Focus owner Neil Hornsby also talking about his case because PFF becomes a really interesting point in this. They are going to go back and Willie and Paul Alexander sort of commissioned this going to go back and grade Willie Anderson's career 1996 to 2005 because they they started as a service in 2006 so they have the last three years of his career one of which by the way is one of the best tackle seasons 
they've ever created. Um, and they're going to do his entire career. And Jay, why this is interesting is we have this gap and that we have this issue. This is a big picture issue with the Hall of Fame and an issue with Willie's cases. He tries to, he didn't make the top 15 cut this year. The difference, he didn't make it into this conversation. When you're in the top 15, there's a presentation made to all the voters individually five minutes about a single guy, and then they discuss him for any length of time. That's never been done. He didn't make the 15 this year. The step to that is people understanding how good he was before the Bengals became relevant. In 2003, Willie hit the map. Marvin came here. The team became real. Then they're like, oh, this guy who's playing right tackle is pretty good. Well, he'd been around from 1996 to 2002, killing people, crushing people, stoning everyone in his path. But that is almost this fictional portion of his career that nobody even knows about or recognizes because he didn't get a Pro Bowl, didn't get an All-Pro because nobody really realizes it. Well, Pro Football Focus going back and grading, that gives the opportunity for people to realize how good Willie was. And that can be the difference to voters understanding that a great player on a bad team should still get credit for being a great player during those bad years. And it's a huge problem with the Hall of Fame process as it's set up right now. Yeah, I, I love the idea of this. Um, but I, I wonder how influential it's going to be uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I'm not trying to sound ageist here, but a lot of those voters for the Pro Football Hall of Fame are are much older than us even and i wonder i wonder how willing they are to accept pro football focus i mean they've gotten such a a foothold in the league you would think that it would have some sway but i mean one of the benefits of having those guys around is they've seen a lot of football and a lot of them are going to trust their own eyes and what they've seen and you just wonder how much sway that is going to have the other thing is, you. I, I wonder, and you touched on it, where the the biggest issue with all of this, with not just Willie, but guys that are excluded, is is there's not enough guys. You've said this over and over. Not enough guys in the hall that were great players on bad teams, and a bunch of good players on great teams. And I don't know if that if that mindset is ever going to change, um, regardless of of what happens here. And one other thing. So much of of the Hall of Fame voting is it's based on how you compare in your era. Not it's like you can't look at like a Ken Anderson. You can't look at quarterbacks from the '80s and '90s the same way you look at quarterbacks now. The numbers are just going to be completely different. Um, so if it's great that they're doing this and they're grading Willie's entire career, but if if they're not going to grade all those other guys that played from the time Willie came in up to, to the end, then no matter how good his his numbers look when, when pro football does that entire career, if you don't have anything – I mean, you've, you, you know what a grade is. You know what a good grade is. But if you don't have other tackles numbers to compare it to, I wonder, again, how much sway it's going to have with the voters. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting element to this is that – and maybe why you will. And this is why I think there's a very much a – the future of how we can judge this and the role PFF and people like it can play. Willie will be compared against people who they have an entire career of grading against, at least for the the rest of the times he's making a case. 
before he becomes part of the senior committee, you know, the great abyss of the senior committee, which everyone knows is just a disaster to be a part of. Um, not because the committee isn't doing their best. It's just there's too many players, and they can only let one or two in. So you don't want to end up there. The rest of the time that he's in the main hub here, he will be compared up against guys that they have a majority of their career graded, that that played from 2006 on. I mean, you know, the fact that Andrew Whitworth's still playing is crazy, but other offensive linemen that will be entering the mix as first or second ballot guys in the next few years that would make, that you'd be comparing against Willie Anderson when deciding who the next offensive lineman to go in are going to be, um, you probably would have PFF grades on them already for a lot of their career. And for Willie to be able to have that to stack up against, I think that gives him the baseline for future conversations too, whether we're talking about you know Joe Staley or Whitworth or these types of guys that are about to enter the conversation in the next four or five years. Um, and and that's going to be important for him. It, right now where it stands, you have Tony Baselli has been on this fringe for a while. He's been in the conversation. They, he has been in this top 15, presented a, a number of times, and not made it in. So, And then you have Alan Fanica, who was a guard for the Steelers forever, who has been knocking on the door. Now, we will find out Saturday night before the Super Bowl who of those maybe get in maybe don't get in um there's a lot of you know it seems like there's kind of a big three this year and then who knows what's going to happen after that you know once you get past Charles Woodson Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson there's a lot of guys that are kind of all in the same mix and and it could be anybody maybe this is the year Tony Baselli gets in you know and, and what 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 you know you end up trying to find stats and what people can go off of Baselli uh, you know, the thing with him is his career was so short. And he basically had five years where he fully played. I mean, his rookie year, six, counting his rookie year, which he played, you know, started 12 games. Um, but then injuries derailed him, so that's really all he had. Um, but they were incredible, you know. And then, so you have that, and and it's like that's discredited. Because his career was short. Well, Terrell Davis got in with basically three good years. There's the longevity versus elite level. Give me five elite best of that year seasons. You should be in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) As currently constituted, right? Unless you change the rules and try to make it more exclusionary. I think that's the way it's set up. So him, he he's sort of, I guess, the way they view it is he's in the front of the line, in front of Willie Anderson. Alan Fanica, who has more of the traditional offensive line stats but played guard, uh, you know, he has nine Pro Bowls and six All-Pros, and he was, you know, on the All-2000s team, which was a thing that matters, I guess. Um those are the guys in front, and once those clear out, a, a new group will come in, and Willie Anderson, you hope, would be a part of this next level conversation. Uh, but you know, it's interesting to see what happens with those guys is relevant here too. The, it's a good point about the the new class coming in because I looked and in twenty twenty two, there's really not any first time eligible guys that that are in the conversation as far as tackles. Um, in 2023, you're going to get Joe Thomas. So then, and then who knows? I mean, Witt's got to wait five years. If he ever retires, he's got to wait five years. So he's way down the line still, but 
I think that's one big thing. And I don't, I don't know. I, I guess we should talk or I should talk to Jeff Hobson or some other hall of fame voters because you, they talk about this all the time is, is how there is a, a pecking order within each position group. And, and I wonder if they view offensive line as a whole or if it's t- tackles and if it's tackles, I mean, he's, it, it's not like there's this, like at wide receiver, there's this huge stack of guys that it's, it, the, the waiting list is long and it's, you know, they're just going to check off one every year. It seems like, um, I don't, he doesn't have that roadblock in front of him. So that on the positive side, that, that works in his favor. Um, I actually, I went back and looked, there's a, a website called not in the hall of fame.com and, um, they have it for all sports. And I was shocked because I wanted to see where Willie ranked on, on that list. And there were there's a lot of some old timey guys, but modern era guys, they had nine tackles listed with better careers than Willie Anderson. Their their entire list of best not in the Hall of Fame, 300. Care to guess where Willie is on that list? I don't even want to guess. Two hundred and eighty three. Come on. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. He he's behind uh, Justin Smith, James Brooks, Chad Johnson, Lamar Johnson, Ken Riley, and Ken Anderson as far as former Bengals. Um, so some of the other guys on that list: Joe Jacoby, Mike Ken, George Coons. Just some guys that they're they all kind of fall in that same Willie I don't know template where a lot of years, um, a handful of Pro Bowls, and few playoff games. Willie only played in four playoff games. And that kind of goes back to that, that thing where you, guys, the Terrell Davis is a good example of this. He, it was short, but he won two Super Bowls. You, and I'm not saying he's a good player on a great team, but, but maybe too much emphasis is, is put on team success and it is a team game. But when you're talking hall of fame, that's an individual honor. And I, and I think that really hurts Willie and some of these other guys. Yeah. It makes it challenging. Um, you know, and you're, you, you know, you try to, especially, and, you know, and we're speaking specifically about offensive line play. And a big part of the problem with Willie is left tackles have come in, and, and it's like, oh, left tackle, right? And he has talked about this, how the blind side has ruined it, <laughs> uh, because it, it it has immortalized the left tackle, like, like blocking Michael Strahan and Bruce Smith and Julius Peppers was totally cool over on the other side, you know, or now J.J. Watt, or I mean, these guys are everywhere. I mean, the list of guys that he has blocked is a who's who of all timers. You know, I mean, so if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about okay, right tackle is not as big as left tackle. Well, don't start throwing guards in my face, okay? Because <laughs> let's talk about right tackle is more important than guards and centers, okay? All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Let me just drop a few little bit of the stats, and this is just sort of from the lead of the story, is when you what we have of stats and knowledge of Willie's case to this point is basically you have a 13-year NFL career with 195 games. He only allowed 16 sacks and drew only 13 holding penalties. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. He faced nine of the top 10 rushers of all time, but allowed only one sack against them. That was one to Bruce Smith. Shut down Julius Peppers, Javon Curse, Reggie White. Michael Strahan called him the best right tackle of his generation. 
He blocked for two of the 14 greatest rushing performances of all time by Corey Dillon, where Corey's 246, which set the rookie record, and of course what reset the overall record of 278, which also included going over 400 as part of that. That's Willie's stat resume, and until that, until there are other stats, that's what you have to go off of. And it becomes, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, these guys go off the eye test and what they've seen. But you just, you haven't seen it all. And you certainly haven't seen it when the guy played on a bunch of bad teams that the last thing you wanted to do was watch a Bengals game in 1998. Right. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. You know? But if you're, but if you're, you, no one can say they've seen it all. And that's where pro football focus enters the conversation. They do see it all. You and they have generally been in lockstep. Nobody is trying to say that PFF should be the controller of the Hall of Fame flame, right? No one's saying that. But they have so consistently been generally in the right area, it can really help you see what you're not seeing or relook at what you maybe missed. The guys that do fall through the cracks. And that's really important, and I think that's where they can really help reshape things like this, specifically in the trenches where it's really kind of convoluted and no one really understands and you don't have stats to go on. I want to bring you one quote from Paul Alexander, who is a consultant with PFF, did work with Willie Anderson. He's uniquely positioned here in this to make this connection, but it's really so true. He says, for years, offensive linemen have made the Pro Bowl and Hall of Fame based on popularity and other reputations. But analytics like Pro Football Focus has now changed all that. Offensive linemen have stats now. And there's a way to fairly and objectively set the discourse. When Pro Football Focus objectively grades Willie, he will have ammunition. Offensive linemen have stats now. Mm -hmm. To me, was the key line of this entire story and conversation is that it'd be silly to not recognize them, even if just to kind of reset the conversation, not the judges at end game, but to reset the conversation. Yeah. I mean, if you have data that you can compare it to that, that, that is huge. Um, I, I wonder, have, have you ever talked to Willie? Have you ever read? I mean, why, was there ever any conversation of him playing left tackle? I know he played left tackle his rookie year, and then they moved him to right, and it's not like there was all these great left tackles that he played with until Witt came along in, in 06. Did, have you ever talked to him that about that? I don't or? know that I ever have. I'm sure some of yeah. the guys who were on the beat in his era probably yeah. could answer it more than I can. I've never actually asked him that. That's a good question next time I talk to him. Yeah, I would, I would, if, if I run into him too, I would like to ask him that because it just – I was going through the list of guys and, you know, it's Richmond Webb and it, it Kevin Sargent. And there's just, it's not, it just, I don't know. It was strange. And especially for a guy that started his career at left tackle, they move him to right. Why did he, why did he end up over there that whole time? It's just, if he did what he did at left tackle, he would even playing for a bad Bengals team. You think he would already be further along. He would have been in that 25 before this year. Yeah, I you know, who knows? Maybe it was why why mess with a good thing? He's just destroying it over on yeah. that side. Let's not change anything. Um, hard to know. I, I want to bring in a little bit of Willie and then and, and Neil Hornsby here from my conversation. Um, 
the first clip here is is of Willie talking about sort of my question was about this and you know you say how does he go from off the map to on the map and he has had to kind of engage in a little bit of self-promotion and it's you know it's sad that this is how it has to happen and how it often happens but he sort of explains and it's not that he's doing it necessarily totally on purpose to try to get in the hall of fame it's sort of organically happened that way but I I think it's really important to remember, like, you do have to remind people and sort of be like, hey, look at what I did here, you know? And so I asked him a question about how he came about sort of with the idea of maybe you have to do a little bit of self-promotion here. And and here's his his answer to that. I find it really, you've had to kind of take to self-promotion a little bit, you know? I mean, it seems like that's kind of what you got, I guess, do with the way this system is set up. Is that, did you have like a realization on that at some point that like, man, I guess, you know, you've really got to kind of put yourself out there if you want to get yourself back on the map? It's funny you say that, you know, um, I had somebody tell me that during my career. And during my career, you know, you play the lineman's role of, you know, you know, be humble. You, you, you don't talk about yourself or, or your game. The least thing you do is talk about your game as a lineman um, while you're playing because you're going to jinx yourself. But, you know, usually we, we, we play that role. But you learn quickly in retirement that, you know, in this day of social media, you know, people see so much information past their eyes every day that you'll get forgotten. And um, I kind of started doing... Um, Stuff I do on Twitter, Instagram, because of my uh, my lineman academy. Yeah, and during the course of uh, you know showing different drills and videos, you get in conversation with people, and you say, "Well, you know, hey, this like this like three years ago, hey, you know, I, I I blocked some of the top guys in in football because you see, you know, my career I I, I ended January '09." And I think Jan- that's when Twitter first started, I think. Mm-hmm. And so you started seeing the different linemen on, on Twitter that I mean, you got scouts of people who are not even sitting with the NFL breaking down film on guys, and their profile is increasing. So I started putting out, you know, film of myself, you know, blocking Bruce Smith, uh, blocking uh, Reggie White, Michael Strahan, uh, Julius Peppers, all these guys, and... I kind of started looking at myself like, damn, that's a, that's a lot of guys I'm kind of blocked. <laughs> and so put, putting it out there, you know, the films and stuff kind of kind of go viral a lot. And when I started doing training-wise, I guess kind of pushed that narrative too because I, I, I train linemen and I'm always showing film to kind of validate techniques. And the stuff kind of, kind of, it, it kind of took on a life of its own. And I never thought about, you know, with, you know, I mean, I remember, um, what's my man? He's a cover the Bengals. But he kind of saw me one day. I was following him. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, Willie, um, you got a hell, he said, yeah, man, you, you probably won't make it, but it, it don't mean you didn't have a hell of a career. Yeah. And so I was kind of content on, you know, these voters were, were going to never pay attention to my work because. It's not, it's not like I got a million followers, you know what I mean? So yeah. when I heard about it, I kind of realized the stuff that, you know, Hops has been writing about. The Bengals fans been pushing stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. 
in the last year or two, I started getting interviews, you know, regarding to people who follow me on Twitter regarding off of, regarding the Hall of Fame. So, you know, that that, that stuff was that stuff was kind of needed. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, and it's probably needed. If it's needed for me who played twelve years ago, it's probably needed just as much for guys like Ken, the two, the two Kennys who played, you know, ages ago. That, yeah, that yeah. stuff. We we live in a day of information where. People have to see information and have to see validation of stuff because they see so much stuff they'll forget. There's there's Willie Anderson kind of talking about you know how that stuff evolves, and it is information comes in front of people so much. And I thought what where you start talking about it here is the important part of this. You have to give people tangible information in front of them. And that's what this PFF thing is so much about because, again, linemen have stats now and you can set a discord on, us on that besides Pro Bowls, right? Pro Bowls and all pros. Well, if the Pro Bowl and all pro and really all decade whatever systems are flawed in their selection process because they're not necessarily recognizing the true best players, we know how we view Pro Bowls and stuff like that now. Think about it was like back in the day where you didn't have as many games in front of you and as much information in front of you. How much that stuff was inherently biased going all the way back to teams that were more on TV a lot or in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. If that system is, is an inherently flawed one and you're basing this decision at least partly on those that makes your current setup completely flawed. Your foundation is flawed. And you've got to put information in front of people that removes that a little bit. Yeah, and that's where I, I think like the, the Strahan quote you mentioned, that maybe that should be a bigger part of this is consultation with former players um, and, and getting a getting a, a firsthand perspective on what these guys did. Because you're right. The, the Pro Bowl thing is ridiculous. Everybody knows what it is now, and it, it's a popularity contest. And people say, well, you know, at least the players have a vote. You know, the fans have a third of the vote. The players, I'm willing to guess that we, we've we been down at the, the stadium when when the Pro Bowl voting is going on. And they it is a meeting squeezed in with other meetings. And it's not like these guys are doing their homework and they are they're they are taking it super serious too. I mean the the whole it, you mentioned it in your story where a guy will go, oh yeah, I played against this guy last year. He was really good and he'll check him off it. They're, they're not doing their research. So yes, that is that is a a terribly flawed variable or you know prerequisite, whatever you want to call it to to consider a guy's hall of fame candidacy and, and it, it always has been and it still is now and so this everything is moving in the right direction for him and and he's he's not a self-promoter kind of guy I, I think this is kind of this is a little bit foreign for him a little uh, not difficult but just something he's not super comfortable with but that that's the way the world is now it's all about branding yourself and, and getting yourself out there and uh, maybe he should do that. Maybe he should start making some videos. Maybe he should start doing some interviews with guys. You know, ha have a YouTube channel, something like that. Get get that out there and talk podcast. Talk to guys that you played against. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of things he can do to help his cause. And I think he's done. Uh, you know, he has his 
he has his Instagram channel social, and I think mm-hmm. that you can't you know you can't overdo it. You know, it's like at a certain, and I think that's the point. I don't think he wants to be out there having to do that. He just wants some information that's legit to be out there, and that's part of where the PFF stuff comes in. One other thing you mentioned about, you know, I I don't know how much Pro Bowls are in the conversation amongst the voters. The vote this is not meant to be a slight on the people that are voters. They they take it very seriously. They care about it. They do a great job. You know, they they get it right the majority of the time. There's just it's just hard. It's very very hard when you're trying to it's just not like baseball. <laughs> Baseball's so much easier. There's the numbers. You don't I don't have to have seen Willie Mays play to know he belongs in the Hall of Fame. The numbers speak for themselves in so many ways, you know? This isn't like that. It's a team game. There's so much other aspects to it. And, and you have these, the voters, and they're not necessarily based on pro. They they do, they have their coaches and they have their scouts and they have their people on the, across the league that they talk to and, and canvas for information on who they think should be where and who should be in and who shouldn't. And and that's great. Their Rolodex is ridiculous. These are, these are, old grizzled like and because when you're old you're grizzled but you know they've, they've been around they have been around the league and seen a lot and that's very important and i am not invalidating them at all i want to make sure that's 100 percent clear but when you have the same group of people and the people that they talk to you end up with these lines that are the same every year and these connections that are the same every single year and so you're you're not getting any new views, any new people that have views on who was good and who was great. You know what I mean? And and that becomes a bias in and of itself when the voters have been the same for so long. And when you don't, you know, it's it, I was on Mo's show on Tuesday and we're talking about the story and he asked me, you know, real quick, only a couple minutes, what if you could change one thing about all of this, what would you? And I said that would be it. You would need you need to add more voters that rotate in as blocks every year. You have 120 total voters, and you have a different sprinkling of them every year. So you end up with different conversations, different lines. There's not this preset. Well, we've got to go da 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 da, or whatever it is. You know, people with different ideas, different people they talk to mold the vote. So you don't end up with the same stuff. There is a ton of people that should be voters for the Hall of Fame. And that's not because I want to vote. It's because there are a ton of people that cover this league that are super intelligent and analytical about it, that have great views and have covered it for a long time, that don't even see the conversation in the room. And that's unfortunate. And don't even have a vote. That's unfortunate. You know, baseball? How many people vote for baseball? What are they at? 500 something? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you see this across other leagues. I mean, that's just that's just that's just part of what it is. Um, one other thing I want Bengals fans to hear before we get in a little bit more into the PF side is I want to hear Willie. I want you to hear Willie talking about the people that have had his back, and you know, part of why he has emerged is people like Bengals fans, and you know, and people like Jeff Hobson, who you know, I you can't credit him enough. He there's a when you're the voter. The, he, would be, he would be the presenter, you know, if, if Willie gets in the top 15. There is a weight on you that is significant, that you feel like you're trying to do this guy justice. 
because it does mean a lot to these guys. I and mean, we're not trying to take it too seriously. It's a museum, you know. Like you, Kenny Anderson has the best perspective on anybody I've ever met. He, he's like, hey, I had a great career. I don't need anybody else telling me I had a great career. If they put me in, great. If not, and, and Willie does too. But as a as someone who's covered them and feels like they're as deserving, and you've kind of have this responsibility heaped on you, there's a lot. It does weigh on you to make sure you're doing it right and doing right by them and trying to get their information out there. And I know Jeff really takes that very very seriously and has done so much to try to keep Willie's case in front of people's eyes. Um, that's it's just hard to do on top of your regular job, right? Um, and so I just I wanted to hear I wanted people to hear Willie talk about watching the promotion that has sort of happened and people get behind his case. Here's here's Willie on that. You feel kind of like you 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 cracked through a little bit this year. Was this was getting to that twenty five and having your name in that conversation? Was that was that kind of your goal? You know, or I don't know if you even had a goal, or was that was that kind of like enough for you this year because you kind of view it as more of a big picture thing. For me, like I say, it was never a goal for me. Like I said, I, I never thought my name was going to ever move. Yeah. Like, I, I, I come to the fact, like, a, a, a lot of those Bengal players, you know, we all talk about it amongst each other, you know, Takeo and, and uh, Corey. And I, I've, sat, I've sat at the table, listened to Kenny and Kenny Riley talk, you know, doing the anniversary stuff. We all kind of succumbed that it was going to be what it's going to be. Like, you know, they, they're not... They're not going to vote a Bengal player in, or you know, at least not none of us. So when my name got moved to a twenty-five, like, I, I, I honestly didn't believe it. <laughs> um, I never thought those guys were going to pay attention because for a guy like myself, a guy like a Whitworth, and these guys, you got to go investigate and go look at and go look at stuff. Like yep. go, go, when I said give us sixteen sacks, you know, there's no. Literally, stat will show that, but I can show you film. Of you watch the film, yeah. The film, I can show you when Pro Football Focus did rate me. I was rate, I was rated pretty damn high. If you go look at my holding penalties, my holding penalties kind of tie into what the numbers of stats I said I gave up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's thirteen holding penalties in, in thirteen years. So, um, I just never thought those guys would do that much information. But like I said, the stuff that Hobson doing. And, other media people doing the stuff like even this right here, what you doing? I appreciate that stuff, man. Even, even the fans who go and bug the hell out of these voters. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what it's gonna need, man. And, and the Bengals fans, I'm telling you, man, these Bengals fans are persistent as hell. They loyal, and um, I appreciate the hell out of them. Willie's right, by the way. Bengals fans bug the hell out of these Hall of Fame people. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky wheel. I love it. It's the only way they're going to do it. I mean, you said they have one player in over a half a century of being around as a franchise, and all it took for that guy to get in was to be the best to ever play his position. So yeah. yes, you, I mean, <laughs> if 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 you're gonna if another guy's going to get in, the, the Bengal fans are going to have to play a role in this. And going back to what you said about Ken Anderson, I, I mean, I don't doubt his sincerity at all about I don't need anybody else to to tell me I had a great career, but. I think it's one of those things where you don't know until you know, because I, I love watching the ceremony every year. I'm watching the speeches, just yeah, just the weight comes off. They they may think that it it's not going to mean as much as it actually does when they get up there and that validation is real and they're they're thanking everyone that helped them got to that point and just the emotion and the tears and then the shots of the family members in the crowd. It 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 is it is just a museum. 
but it it means the the world to these guys that get in. It's a it's a very elite fraternity, obviously, and it would just be nice to see some of these guys, some of these deserving Bengals, get that moment. Because if it does go to a veterans committee, I mean, Ken Riley, perfect example. He's gone now. He'll never get mm-hmm. that moment to enjoy that that weekend with his family, um, even if he does end up making it in as part of the veterans committee. And that's that's why you want to see some more of these guys get that chance, it, it, the, des- the deserving ones especially. Yeah, that's the sad part is is you know it takes something like what happened with Ken to make people recognize mm-hmm. <laughs> as if 65 interceptions wasn't enough. Right. You know, and it goes back to, oh, we didn't have the all pros and the pro bowls. Well, scroll backward 10 minutes. If you want to hear my response to that, you know, and it, it, the guy, the guy had the most interceptions for a cornerback. <laughs> and they weren't throwing the ball back then. Like they are now. It's wild. It's wild. And, and it's in, you know, but we're, and you know, Ken Riley was, uh, I, I, I believe Jeff has even said this, that Ken Riley was next for the Veterans Committee this year. If there had been two, he'd have been the guy, supposedly. Hmm. But Drew Pearson was the guy. You know, good player, great teams. All right, let's just take a quick break. It becomes about the future, right? It becomes about, okay, let's stop looking at the way things have been flawed and 50 years of one person and why that is and – you know, all of that stuff that I know Bengals fans really f- haggle over and get frustrated by, and and the players do too. You heard Willie talk about. You know, I sit, I sat down at the table with Kenny and Kenny and Corey Dillon and Chad Johnson and Isaac Curtis and 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 Keogh and talked to all these guys, and and they just succumb to the fact that when you play here, that's just kind of what it is, you know, and. And probably we'll have these same conversations maybe about Geno Atkins and A.J. Green, but maybe we won't. You know, how different will they be? I don't I don't know that either of those guys is gonna get in. I think they're probably more fringe candidates. Um, Gino with a better case than AJ. Um but at least it will be something where we do have a little bit of a baseline of PFF that has helped bring people out of the darkness, uh, to at least help that. Where Seasons like Jesse Bates had in 2020 at least get some recognition, at least are put out there as this was great, even though the team was 4-11 and 1 and stunk. You know, and and he may not have been all pro or pro bowl, but he was a PFF uh, all pro guy and he did get a lot of votes. He did get eight votes for all pro, I think only because of PFF tracking that stuff and bringing it to people's attention. The same thing you'll see here going forward, and that's how much. That's what it's about. It's about bringing it back to light. I, I want to bring in Neil Hornsby, uh, who is the uh, founder, owner of Pro Football Focus, talking about this through the lens of can this, can this type of thing be something that they're a big part of going forward? and how they're grading it and things like that. So uh, Neil Hornsby, uh, who is from England, always fun to hear him talk uh, and is passionate about it. And also my robot vacuum is going on in the background for part of this, so I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody enjoy this. Uh, this is Neil Hornsby for BFF. Is Would that ever be something that you guys would be open to? Like if it was doing like, okay, 
you know, not only Willie, but toss in Tony Baselli and Alan Fanica and like, you know, the four or five offensive linemen that are in conversations for the Hall of Fame and throwing them all into a bucket together and kind of almost presenting it as like, here's what we found and the Hall of Fame should be interested in these findings, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely we would do that, but it just takes up a lot of time in yeah. the off-season. Yeah. Um, and it's a question of, uh, will it be like a test case for us? Yeah. You know, it'll be it'll be a prototype of, so this is what we do. And here's the most important thing. Because we're a Cincinnati-based company and because we do, and this is Paul, I've told Paul, and I tell everybody that this is our, it's far more important to us that we get this right than... Then we give uh, Willie a glowing recommendation. Yes. If the thing comes up that it's negative and it, it's another Marquise Pouncey, that's the way it'll be for. And I'm not, you know, <laughs> there's nothing that will sway me from that. If you choose not to then show that to anybody, that's up to you. That That's up to you. But we're going to do it and the greats will be the way that the greats will be. This is one of the few times that I'm not going to give you the... I'll, I, I'll give you the facility to have a look at any, some of them, but I'm not going to change them all. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you know, just because you, it's got to be, it's got to be unimpeachable as far as the accuracy, and it's got to be able to stand the test of somebody coming through and going, well, you got this one wrong, or you got this one wrong. So yeah. I, I never want to be the guy like with Marquis Fancy where we've downgraded him, and somebody comes up and says, well, yeah. I mean, we'll have the odd one wrong from time to time. We clearly will. But, you know, we're not more than 2 or 3%, you know, out on players, which is perfectly reasonable. So, yeah, that's important. And, you know, I feel Paul will do it, but the answers will be what the answers will be. We talked about this on the podcast last Tuesday, but I do love the idea of that we'll now have full Bengals games from 1996 to 2005 to go back and check the grades on every single player. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to want to see those. <laughs> it, 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 the amazing part about that is because I want for I knew we were doing this podcast and I wanted to go back and look just like it, who the the edge rushers that Willie faced early in his career. And so week one of his rookie year, I go to the site that we go to to call up the game books and it's not available. And hmm. I mean, they've got game books back to 1980. In theory, but there are some missing here and there. And that just kind of shot my whole plan. I was like, well, if there's going to be a bunch of them missing, why do that? And you already had it in the story that he faced all those, what was it, nine of the ten all time. And But I was kind of curious to see what what he did as a rookie um, against those guys. Just obviously he got better as his career went on. But um, I don't remember when he was when he was a rookie. I, I don't I didn't cover the team then. Um, and I wonder, too, I mean, where. How when they when they grade these games, do they do they get the TV copy? They is the, is the all twenty two archive somewhere where they're watching off of? Do you, did Neil well, go into that? Paul, I believe Paul is getting the the tape for them. Okay, so that's where they'll get the tape of the game, the coaches' tapes of the games for it. But yeah, I mean they because they go by the copy that they have, you know, and they've yeah. gone back and gotten copy of individual one off games and things like that, um, where they've done unique one game gradings, whether the first Super Bowl, I think, Brady's first Super things like that. But they um, you know, th- this will be 
a bigger project for them. It does take up a lot of time. I mean, the amount of time it takes to fully grade 10 seasons, 10 times 16. I mean, you know, 160 games. <laughs> that's a lot that's, of games to go through and grade, you know? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, that takes some time. So if they do it the way that they're, they always do it, um, but it'll be really interesting to see what, what comes out of that. Um, and so where, what happens next, right? I think, you know, your next big flash points to watch with Willie and really with all these guys, you know, we're, we're still going to be talking about Ken Riley, who is on the doorstep with the senior committee. And, you know, that, 65 interceptions number. We're still going to be talking about Kenny Anderson, who has been on the doorstep forever and for some reason left out. And I think, you know, people not having a true understanding of what he did and what he was, you know, is unfortunate. You know, he's just, <laughs> I, I can't even say it or write it anymore. Like, I feel like I get made fun of for how often I talk about it. But it's, again, it goes back to that that weight you feel when you're the person, when you're the only one banging the drum for something that you see as so obvious. Um, you know, it's like, man, at some point that's got to happen. You, you've got, you know, I, I point to Corey Dillon and I don't understand how he has fallen through the cracks as much as he has. When you look at his sheer numbers, mm-hmm. his yards per carry numbers in multiple seasons, his big games, his highs are insanely high. His seasons are are ridiculous. He has a ring that he basically helped carry a team to as a running back. It's 04 Patriots season. Go back and watch. Go back and look at it. Franchise record, right? Yeah. New England I mean, record. And they won a Super Bowl on his be- yeah. partially on his back. Be- but it's, it's Brady and it's Belichick. And it's just another running back, right? But Terrell Davis got that credit. Mm-hmm. And that was Elway and the Shanahan system, you know? And so I, I, there's guys like that. And even Chad, who no one would say was under the radar, <laughs> um, has numbers that are more in the mix than people realize when you talk about five, six elite seasons um, and guys that, you know, didn't have five or six elite seasons that will get in in front of them or that are currently on the list in front of them. So there's a lot of guys there. And then we'll talk about Andrew Whitworth will be in the mix. I liked how you said earlier, Jay, if he ever retires. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's trying to Brady this thing. I think he's like, yeah, 45, right? I mean, it's possible. I mean, but when, when his case will come up, you know, who knows? I mean, Maybe Witt plays longer than A.J. Green. Not out of the question. Yeah. I mean, if if, if A.J. has another year where he kind of struggles and, and can't find it, you know, you could see that be the next step for him. Um, So run past your boot, Jay. Who is the next Bengal in the hall? The two Kennys, Willie, Andrew Whitworth. How about... And I'll say other, and we'll do a double boot. Run, pass, boot, or double boot. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. We'll go to four. Uh, I'll double boot other. I do think it'll be one of those guys. You think one of them's going to get in? Yeah. Um, I, I lean more toward Wit, just because I, I think he's – the other guys are going to have to rely. Willie, I, it, it's just – it kind of goes back to what you said where the small group of – of voters and how much in their mindset is, okay, this guy hasn't even been on the radar for a 
11 years and now he is, you know, what, what changed? And obviously the PFF grading and, and that, that is something that changed it, the, the date to give them the data. But I just, I don't know that there's going to be moment, enough momentum there. Um, with what you said that Jeff Hobson said that, that Ken, if there had been two this year, Ken Riley would be next. That leads me to believe that, that maybe he has the best chance. So I, I'll run with him and it would be a damn shame that he's, that he's gone and he won't be able to enjoy it. But I'll, I'll run with one of the two Kennys. I will, I will pass on wit. I will boot Willie, not because I don't think he deserves it just because I, I just, as much as they're doing to, to get this, to get him out there and to inform, I just don't know that there's going to be enough momentum to change the minds of the voters until maybe something changes in the, the construction of the group of voters and a double boot other. Yeah, I, I will run. It's, it's hard. I'm, you know, next year's vote and how these PFF grades come out. And if that has any effect will be very important for Willie. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's his only path, Right. You know, from where I stand, knowing a little bit about the process, knowing a lot about the process, knowing about his career, knowing what's going to happen next, it's it's his only path is for this to be, along with everything else that is out there, you know, um, about him, to be part of the conversation, to to put him in there, to make people realize. I mean, we talk about PFF. I mean, two thousand six. They the first year they were in existence, they, they would grade all the way back to 06. Well, going all the way back, the fewest pressures allowed by a tackle in a single season dating back to 2006. So, full entirety of all PFF. Willie Anderson, number four. 11 pressures allowed in 2006. Willie's in his 30s at that point, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Andrew Whitworth's 14 season, he only allowed nine. Uh, and then Ronnie Stanley in 19 allowed six. Jonathan Ogden in 06 allowed eight. That's- AFC North dorm dominant there <laughs> yeah. in the top four. Right. I mean, that's in a single season in the last 15 years. You know, that's the type of stuff that you could turn up from Willie's early years that Paul Alexander knows exists in those early years. And you have enough of those as added on your conversation. You can see the path for Willie next. So I, there's a part of me that wants to run with Willie and say, I think that that can be it. Um, I'm going to, I think, I think it's possible. I really do. And I think it's deserved when people realize and all these guys are deserved, and absolutely. And this is not discrediting anybody, but in reality, I think that could have a real effect. I really do. If you see six more seasons where he allowed less than 15 pressures or something, or 20 pressures, whatever it is, whatever that number is, those grades are, that can't that does affect me. These, these guys may be older, but they understand how the grading works. They understand being top four at your top three, top of your position, that Willie in a year when the Bengals went three and 13 might have been the number one tackle in the league. And they never realized that, you know, despite not being all pro. That, I think, can make a difference. So I'm going to run with Willie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pass on the two Kennys. I'm with you. I think 
I think Ken Riley is close. I think they're. I think the 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 sixty five number, unfortunately, due to his passing, has come to light on people that weren't mm-hmm. giving it enough attention before. And I am gonna I'm gonna boot Wit, um, because he's further out. I mean he's he may never retire. <laughs> so, and then I'll I'll double boot other because I'm with you now. I I I think that one of these guys is gonna make their way in, and that will be you know. Good for Bengals fans to maybe breathe a temporary sigh of relief uh, that Canton doesn't hate them, at least for the moment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one Um, thing while you were talking about that, one thing that just popped into my mind that, you know, is there a position that is more important or more worthy for a guy that's on a bad team than tackle? If If you're a tackle on a bad team, you're pass blocking a lot and you're pass blocking when they know that you're passing. Um, that's, that's huge. And for him to have to be top four and who knows how the other years are going to pan out for him to, to not give up pressures when they were constantly in must pass situations in the second half of games, that, that just adds to his case. Sure does. Um, by the way, Carson Palmer had the, that was in the 2006 season we're referencing where Willie only had 11 pressures allowed. Carson Palmer threw the ball 520 times, <laughs> which is one of the most in his career until you got to the back end with Arizona there. Mm-hmm. That was second most, third most in his career and in, in Cincinnati. One, I mean, they, if you remember that 06 team, I mean, <laughs> Carson was winging it yeah. uh, quite a bit. Um and that so, wasn't a bad team, but yes, they were no, throwing a lot. They were throwing a lot, and he only allowed eleven pressures. Yeah, um, you know, threw for over four grand that year, and threw it five hundred twenty times. So, not nothing. Um, all right, it kind of wraps us up here. I want to thank Willie for his time and and. And best of luck to everybody at PFF and whatever that turns out. I, you know, I love the way that Neil put it. He's like, the grades are the grades. Mm. You can choose to show them to someone or not, but this is important for them and their reputation because they do have a future eye on being part of this. That this is unimpeachable. If you have a problem with any of it, go back and tell me what you have a problem with and, and why we graded it wrong on every single potential play, and that matters to them. And, you know, I think that their legitimacy has proven itself over time. All 32 teams, people use that as such it's such a centerpiece of, of evaluation now. Um, and they dedicate a lot of time, effort, and resources to getting it right in their grading because they know it's the core of their entire product. And so, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what it turns out. But keep an eye out for that. And then the, the vote next year, um, you know, they, they do the – once you get in towards the end of the season, you get the vote from 125 down to 25, and then the 25 vote happens um, late into December, January, then the trim to 15, and then the final vote happens right before the Super Bowl. And as you will see this Saturday, they will announce the final class Saturday night before the Super Bowl at NFL Honors. So. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope you all have enjoyed this. And, again, if you have any ideas for one-offs, that you want us to maybe do future growlers on, let us know. Send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com or hit us up on Twitter uh, at Paul Daner Jr. at Jay Morrison ATH. And you can um, 
you know, submit your ideas if you got them. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one, everybody.